chapter number 6. And I guess my wife said I was a little excited about this, and so just knocked the coffee off of the edge of the thing. It was almost empty, so that was a good thing, right? So it didn't get all over, and so... And so Romans chapter number 6. We've been going here for a while in the book of Romans, and we're already on to chapter number 6. We're moving right along. We're actually moving faster through Romans. and Well, Mark, we're on chapter number 4 on Sunday morning, so we're moving on both. A little hint for you, Sunday, Wednesday night's supposed to be the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We are going to be in Revelation, but I'm breaking it up into two parts. This Wednesday night is going to be the letters to the churches, and then we will look at the things to come. So it's going to be a two-week there. And if you're expecting to get the whole book of Revelation broke down in two weeks, you got to be kidding me, okay? And so I did. I went through, I did a pretty long series. I really could go probably about 60 messages through the book of Revelation. And uh, am I going to do that anytime soon? Probably not. At some point I might, but not right now. And so, but there will be some interesting things. In the letters to the churches, we'll see those this coming Wednesday night. Last week, for last week was Mother's Day. Yeah, we didn't have an evening service, so we took a week off from here in Romans. And so we finished up. One of the things you got to remember as you study the Bible and as you go through it, is that when the Bible was written, it was not given chapters and actual verses. So when I say turn to chapter 6, verse number 1, thank God that someone did that so that we could have that tonight. But in all honesty, that's not how the Bible was. It was all written together. So sometimes what we do is we think like a book that we read and things like that, that we get to a new chapter and it's a whole new thought. When with the Bible, that's not how it is. It's just continuing on from where we just were. And so to see tonight where we're going, we need to go back to chapter number 5 and look at verse number 20, and then we're going to go through chapter 6, verse number 4. Chapter 5, verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's going back and helping people with a question that could come in some's mind from verse number 20 of chapter 5. Because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So do we continue sinning so that God's grace can abound on us? No, look at what it says there. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Up till this point in this passage here, Paul has been building a case for the necessity of salvation. Going back to chapter number 1, 
We saw for, as we went through there, that Paul said, I am now ready to preach the gospel. And through chapter 2 and chapter number 3, he lays the foundation that no one is good and covers everyone that's ever lived in that. Chapter 4, he dives into that Abraham was justified by faith. In God's sight, we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Chapter number 5, as we went through there, we've seen that being justified, what that means for all of us. And so up to this point, we, and we see they talked about the first man, Adam, and all that we lost because of what Adam did, then all that we gained because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And so we're told of these things, and we've been shown there's only one way to salvation. It's Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Placing your faith in Jesus Christ is all that you can do. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul's letting everyone know up to this point, mankind is doomed on their own and mankind cannot figure it out on their own. At the beginning of chapter 6, for the next three chapters, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter number 8, Paul is going to spend this time telling us how we should be living the new life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. That's where it changes some. It goes from the need of salvation to now, because of salvation, this is how we should live. So this is much needed information for the Christian. All the signs point to the fact that, and you think about this, many people claim to have the new life. But most people don't know how to live the new life that they've been given in Jesus Christ. So in this section of Scripture, we're given detailed instructions how to live the new life we've been given in Jesus Christ. Paul begins to tell us how by as we dive in here, he sets some things in order. Title of my message tonight is How Dead Men Should Live. Say, wait a second. Can dead men live? In Jesus Christ, we are dead to sin. We still have this flesh. We have the old nature and the new nature we're given at salvation. But we're to be dead. We're to reckon those things. We're going to look at that in a couple weeks. We're to reckon it dead. The problem is, most Christians let the dead man run the show. A dead man can't live, but we let it happen. How? Why? What should we do? That's what we're going to see over the next several weeks. For dead men to live, there are three realities that they must accept. We're going to look at those tonight and see how a dead man should live, not how we do live. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have here tonight. Pray that you'd help us, guide our thoughts, guide our actions. And I pray that you would be with us and guide us in the study of this passage tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's no coffee on the pulpit, so I can't knock anything over. Number one, how dead men should live. Number one, they must accept the reality of their or our passing. 
must accept the reality of their passing. What do you mean? Look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? As we dive into here, the first thing we see, we see an argument here from Paul. We see Paul's argument. His argument begins there in verse number 1. And in Paul's usual manner, Paul anticipates the arguments of his readers. So he deals with that in order right here. And I think that's what this Holy Spirit does here. And the argument, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is based on chapter 5, verse number 20. We see in that verse that the Bible tells us that but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So when we think about that, and when we th- you think about the argument might say, well, if grace comes as a result of sin, then shouldn't we just sin so we can enjoy the grace of God even more? There are people that live that way. It's a crazy thought. But sadly, a lot of Christians live this way. Many know that they're saved. They know their salvation is eternal. They know they're eternally secure. So they live far below the standard that God would have for them. And say, I can do as I please with my life. I don't think that's Bible. And we're going to look a little bit deeper into that over the next few weeks. Friends, if that's the way you live your life, it's a very dangerous way to live. And we need to be very careful. I would think of two things that I could tell you. The people that live their lives that way. One might be, I would do a reality check and make sure you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. That would be number one. I'm not saying you're not saved. We talked about that in sport this morning. I'm not a fruit inspector. I sow seeds. God knows the heart. Our hearts are desperately wicked who can know it. At times, my own heart deceives me. If I can't even figure out my own heart, how am I supposed to figure out your heart? You're not, it's not your job to figure out someone else's heart. We're not fruit inspectors. But I may, you, you could be that those that claim that they can just live their lives as they please, maybe they've never truly met Jesus Christ. That's just an observation. The second thing could be you don't really care what your life says about Jesus. And that should be important to us. And it's dangerous ground to live life that way. Paul makes the argument here, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's his response? We see the answer, Paul's answer, letter B in verse number two. His answer is, God forbid, no, 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 that's not how you're supposed to do it. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul's answer to their argument is brief and it's very clear. We are dead to sin. How can we continue to live in sin when we are dead to sin, right? Paul uses death as an analogy of the Christian life. You see, when you're saved, when you get saved, you are in Jesus Christ, correct? That's correct. Hopefully you understand that. And while we're in Jesus Christ, we are more alive than we could ever be. But at the same time, we are dead. Think about that one. When death touches the physical body, there are certain things that change immediately. As soon as the person dies, their desires to do certain things stop. 
an alcoholic dies, they don't drink anymore, correct? They're dead. A drug addict doesn't do drugs anymore when they die because they're dead. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not, this isn't rocket science right now. What you got to understand is the old nature that we have inside of us, it is with us as long as we have this flesh, that old nature is still around. The old man, the new man, the battle that takes place <coughs> in life. But you got to understand something. When we get saved, we become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things become new. When that happens, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, you got to understand something. We die to sin. The old nature inside of us still yearns and desires and lusts after sin. But I want you to understand something. The old nature inside of us still wants to do everything it did before you got saved. But when we're saved, and as we're new creatures in Christ, there's a new man living in these physical bodies that God's given us, and he is dead to sin. He and when we look at this and when we think about it, Sin does not appeal to the new man. The new man does not have a desire to sin. But the old man does. And so as we look, well, you say, oh, what am I supposed to do? What's the, how do I accept the reality that I'm dead to sin? If I was dead to sin, then I would never sin again. There's going to come a day where we never sin again. And praise God for that day. But how are we supposed to battle it in this life? I think you go down to verse number 11 with me. Paul says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the secret right here. The Bible tells us, and Paul says, that we must reckon ourselves dead to sin. The word reckon, it's an accounting term that means to calculate. So Paul's telling us in this passage to add up the evidence and declare ourselves dead to sin. In other words, God doesn't do that for you. Does it, do you see right there? Likewise, reckon ye also. God's done the work. When Christ cried out, it is finished, the work's been accomplished. How are we supposed to do better in the Christian life? That old man can't win. That old man has to be reckoned dead. When we do better, we're not giving in to that old man. That's why Paul says, remember in the book of Ephesians, he says, put off the former conversation. Put it off. It's like, and put on the new man. It's literally like putting on a jacket. You're supposed to put on and put off things. It's a choice. It's a reckoning that takes place. Paul says, no, Christian, you are not supposed to live in sin so God's grace can abound. You are dead to sin. And we got to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin is the answer that we have here. And I know that doesn't sound... Well, how, it's, is it easy? No, it's not easy. It takes a lot. And look at verse number 14. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. But you got to reckon yourselves dead to sin. And so as we look at this tonight, how's a dead man supposed to live in light of the scriptures? Well, it begins, first of all, we got to accept the fact or the reality of the fact that our old man has died. It might help you if you would realize that the old man has died. You've got both there. And I know sometimes you use those analogies and you see those old cartoons where you got the angel on one shoulder and you got the little devil on the other shoulder. But really, that's kind of what it is kind of like in us. The old man wants to get angry. The old man wants to sin. And the new man that's in Christ Jesus, no, you don't want to do that. And the Bible talks about that the spirit and the flesh battle, right? There's a, de- there's a battle that goes on constantly in us. But you've got to understand something. The f- we've died with Christ. There's got to be a reckoning of that. There's got to be a reality of realizing our sin nature, it's dead. Most Christians don't reckon it, and so they let it reign and rule, and it should be dead. Number two, they must accept the reality of their position. How's a dead man supposed to live? Well, they must accept the reality of their passing. They're dead. Secondly, they must accept the reality of their position. What's our position? Look at verse 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So we talk about our position the first thing we got to understand is letter A, there's a placement that takes place. Verse 3 tells us here that when we received Jesus, we were baptized into him. And as a result, we are baptized into his death. Paul is not referring to water baptism right here. He's referring to the baptism of the Spirit. Now, let me help you with the baptism of the Spirit. There are When you get to some of these terminologies, there are different groups of people and different groups that have taken these things. The baptism of the Spirit happens the moment of salvation. If you go with me to, and do I have on the screen, I don't even know if I've got this verse on there, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I do have it. This is what it's talking about. As we talk about here in verse number 3 where it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death, So look at what it says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. When we trust Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized into one body. Now, we could go so deep on doctrine right here. And for sake of time, I'm not going to dive super deep into this. Right now, what we have is there are local bodies. This is a local body. There are local bodies all over the place. There is going to be a universal body of believers. That's a heavenly thing when we're called out and with him. 
So if you want to say that we're all one body now, I'm not going to argue with somebody because we're all going to be in, if someone knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, you're going to be in heaven with them. And they might not dot all their, t- dot all their I's like you or cross all their T's just like you, but if they've put their faith in Jesus Christ, they've been baptized into that same body. That's what the Bible says right here. doesn't matter if they're Jews or Gentiles. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad it wasn't just for the Jews? I'm glad it's for the Gentiles as well. But when we look at this here and when we think about this, you've got to understand our baptism that we do in the water, it represents what has taken place. But this is not what it's talking about. That bapt- This is talking about this baptism, what happens when we get saved. It's not the literal water baptism. I want to make sure you understand that. So as we look at this, what Paul is saying is when we got saved, we were placed into the body of Christ. We are in him this evening. The moment of salvation, you are in him. Colossians 3, verse number 3. The Bible tells us, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, verse number 6, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what we see Paul talking about right here is that the placement that takes place, and when we get saved, when we come to the Lord, when we put our faith in Him, there's a placement into His body. We are baptized into Him, and we are His, in Him. With that being said, there's a placement, but there's also, let her be, a participation on our part. Paul goes on to tell us that when we were placed in Jesus, we were placed into his death as well. Very literally, get this, when Jesus died on the cross, all those who have placed their faith in him died also. We were, by some extreme miracle, taken back 2,000 years and placed there with Christ on the cross. When he died, we died. That is why when he lived, we can live. Because they go together. That's why we can have victory over sin, because Jesus did. That's where the victory comes from. In ourselves, we can't. But since we are placed in Christ, you can't have the victory. That's what you got to pay attention to. The child of God, think about this, is dead with Christ. The reason we have so much trouble is that many, is, it's simply because well, won't, we don't accept the fact that we've already died. We must reckon ourselves, as it says in verse number 11, We must add up the facts and calculate the fact that we are dead to sin. Why? Because we are in Christ. How is a dead man supposed to live? Well, they've got to accept the fact that they're dead, that they've passed. Secondly, they've got to accept the reality of their position. We are baptized into one body, into Christ. And because of that, we participate in, in the things that Christ participates in. Which leads us to, number three, they must accept the reality of their potential. What is our potential? The end of verse number four. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. 
We should walk in the newness of life. As a dead person, we got to realize the reality that we're dead. We have to realize the reality of what happened when we got saved. We were placed in Jesus Christ. We got to accept the reality of our potential, which is we see letter A, we see a comparison made. Paul reveals a thrilling truth to the people of God right here. Not only did we die with Jesus on the cross, but when he rose from the dead, we rose also. Has it begin to click in your head tonight and clear that we participate in everything that Christ did? That's what happens when we're placed in him. When he died on the cross, he was dying for sin. However, when he died on the cross, we died in him. When he rose from the dead, we were in him then, and we rose also. Just as we were in Adam, and when he sinned in the Garden of Eden, and we lost everything. So being in Jesus Christ, we gained and we became part of all that Jesus Christ did. Think about that. You know, when we look back and we think, man, it's terrible to think that because Adam messed up, we all end up messing up because of what Adam did. Yeah, but look at God's grace. Jesus went through all this, and we become partakers of all that Christ did. Wow, what a comparison right here. What Paul's trying to tell us is that our life is ultimately tied to the life of Jesus Christ when we get saved. We participate in his death, too, and we participate in his life. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. When a person receives Jesus as their Savior, that person becomes a partaker of his death, and at the same instant, he becomes a partaker of Jesus' life. Ephesians 2, verse number 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Because he died... We are dead to sin. Because he lives, we are alive to God and to the things of God. And because of that, and because of of what has happened and the potential that we have, there's a commission given to us. Since this is true, because of the fact tonight that we died, to sin when we trusted Christ. When we trusted Christ, we were baptized into his body, and we are in Christ. We went from being in Adam to being in Christ. Because of that, and because of what the Lord has done, this is how you should live the Christian life. That's what Paul's saying right here. Look at verse number four, the end of it. Even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Since all this is true, the believer should walk in a manner that is consistent with the new life he's been given in Jesus Christ. Since we have died to sin, and since we have been raised up to a new life in Jesus, there are some truths that I need to know. We've received a command from God in this verse to walk 
in the newness of life. That is a life after Jesus. And it's so different than our life before Jesus. Here's how that's possible. How could we do this? How can we walk in the newness of life? Well, first off, we've received a new nature. Number one. Is there a number one? No number one? Is there a number one in your notes? Is it filled in for you already? Oh, maybe that's why it's not on the screen. I don't type up the notes. I just preach the messages and give them some of the notes. And so, but how is it possible? We receive a new nature. Second Peter chapter number two. And you said that's, you got the verse? That's fine. You got the verse, but we didn't have the, the points yet. No, that's fine. So Second Peter two, verse number four, for if God spared not the angels, that's, and that's not, I don't think that's the right verse right there. I think it should be chapter number, let's take our Bibles to Second Peter there for a minute. We're going to find it, because that had to do with something we were talking about just the other day. Uh, let me look real quick. Say, Pastor, do you ever mess up on a reference? I just do it every once in a while just to let you know I'm not perfect. Yeah, I think I think Second Peter chapter one verse four. Look what it says there. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, how can we live differently now than before? Because you've received a new nature from the Lord. That's salvation. Secondly, you've been made a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any be man be in Christ, you see, you see how important it is that we're in Christ? It's key to everything. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, baptized into him, that's salvation. It all ties together. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We receive a new nature at salvation. We've been made a new creation, and thirdly, we are a new man. Colossians 1, verse 10 and 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother to the saints and the faithful ones, and that's not the, what are we, oh, she did 1 through 10, the whole passage. You take your time. Did she do all 10 verses there? All right, let's read through them. Go back, because this, this explains it all. So, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Next screen for me. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, and of the love which we have of all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard of it, but... For in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as it is in the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day that ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth. And ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for a faithful minister of Christ, keep on going there, who also declared unto us the love, your love in the Spirit, for this cause, since we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord 
unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. The old man cannot do those things. Only the new man can. If this is true, then why do so many people struggle with sin? The reason is that when we got saved, your body became the house of two natures. And your old nature still wants to rule. Your old nature tonight, Christian, wants to be king. And as long as you live in this world, that old nature is always going to be up to no good. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.16, do we have that one? That's crazy. We have some and then we don't have other ones. So Galatians 5.16, I'll read it for you. I'm just about there. And so it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. There's going to be many battles, but you've got to understand something. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If we reckon ourselves dead unto sin, as it says in verse number 11 of Romans chapter number 6, we'll see things differently. And you've got to understand something. As we close tonight, your life is not yours. Your life is in Christ Jesus. We are His. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You're not your own to do as you please. You've been given so much in Jesus Christ. You weren't given that grace so you can just sin and live your life the way you want to. You see, you've got to reckon yourself dead to sin. You need to remember these things that we looked at tonight. How should we as dead men and ladies walk? We've got to accept the fact of the reality that we're dead. We've got to reckon ourselves dead. We have to accept the reality of the fact that when we got saved, we were placed in Jesus Christ. And we, are par- we participate in those things that he has done for us. And we got to accept the reality of the fact that because of what Jesus did and how in Adam we lost everything, in Jesus Christ we gained everything. And because of that, we've been commissioned to walk in the newness of life and follow him as he would have us walk. a lot of deep stuff right there it's a lot of great stuff but the lord has been so very good to us let's live for him let's not let the old man win the battles and we'll be honest tonight the old man's going to win some of those battles we all struggle with it but let's strive to walk in the newness of life and put on the new man which was given to us in christ jesus because that old man's dead But just because he's dead doesn't mean he doesn't want to go out very easily. Let's live for the Lord. Let's do our best and let's walk in the newness of life because of all that he's done for us. Father, we love you.